You're listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. This is the podcast for the ambitious woman in tech who wants more and is willing to do what it takes to make it happen. I'm going to give you all of the tips, methods, and strategies you need to remove self-doubt, get over your fears, and build the confidence you need to live the life of your dreams and reach your highest potential. So strap in, enjoy the ride, and let's go get you everything that you deserve. everybody and welcome back to the Technically Confident podcast. Today is a solo episode and it's talking about, I wanted to talk to you about basically how do you set up, establish and run a team to build your app and how do you go about doing that and what are the different ways that you can go about doing that? Because one, it's come up a few times in client conversations, you know, people who um, or looking to build um, big or small applications for their business and and want to take it to the next level and 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 how do you go about doing that? And I often um, work in have you for years worked in corporate doing this, but also obviously work in terms of supporting um, female non technical CEOs in building applications for their business and. I work in an advisory capacity to kind of look at uh, what is the most, the perfect option for their business. And, and it's always going to depend on on your business and your needs and um, what that looks like for you. But I wanted to just give you some some principles today and, and give you an overview of, of what that looks like. Because when it comes to setting up and managing technical teams and technical people, it's a very different beast, actually, to managing non-technical teams and people, mainly because it's a different way of thinking and a different way of being and a very, very different mindset. So I've done both. Um, I have managed technical people and teams and stakeholders for years. Um, And I've also managed non-technical teams as well. And I've also very much been the bridge between the two for a long time because I understand the way that both of those teams work, those people, because often what we're doing specifically when it comes to building SaaS applications here for your business already, if you are a non-technical person, right, you don't come from a technical background, you are a non-technical CEO, giving your requirements from a business perspective, from a strategic perspective of what your customers want, what you want, the growth of your business is not always understood and related to by technical people because what they are generally thinking is, how do I create this good bit of software? Which is good, right? This is what we want them to be thinking ultimately. But it's not the two things aren't always aligned. Um, And building a great piece of software and making sure that you're building a piece of software that is actually going to be beneficial for your business moving forward in the long run are two very different things. So we need to make sure that we're marrying that up, first of all. So the first thing that we need to do before we do anything, as always, is get super, super clear on our strategy and what we want the outcome of our application to be um, for both you know, yourself and and your business and and anything else, right? Ultimately, we want to create something that creates amazing experiences, that is 
generating revenue, that has helped growing our business, all of that good stuff, right? So we need to get super, super clear on that. Having that vision in place is always super useful. I'm just going to go off on a tangent here for a second, actually, because I just want to, I think it'll be a good example. Yesterday, I was in a um, an environment delivering a huge strategy workshop for very, very technical stakeholders for um, a huge um, retail company in the UK. And in this room, we've got a lot of technical people, but actually they are tasked with delivering a, a strategy and vision for um, the CEO of this company. And they it, they struggled with it. They struggled because they, like I said, they think very differently. They're thinking about how do we build this technology the right way? How do we, you know, do all the things we need to do, but not necessarily how do we run a business, right? And ultimately, that's what we're here to do, right? Anyway, so I just thought I'd let you know, you know, this happens all the time everywhere. So it's something that we need to be aware of. So the first thing we need to think about, like I mentioned, is our strategy, where we headed. The second thing we need to think about underneath that is our general operating model. So what does that look like, right? And that is going to depend on the needs of your application, right? So for example, you're going to have to have a look and say, what are the skill sets that I need to get this done? So generally, when it comes to SaaS applications, you will have in the design phase, you know, you want someone who is strategically minded. So that's generally where someone like me comes in to guide you on the right path from a technical perspective, right? That could be someone who acts as um, a, a CTO, a chief technology officer or advisory um, person for your organization. This often looks like someone who has a background similar to myself that has has managed technical development projects successfully, um, technical development teams, all that sort of good stuff, and can be that liaison between you and your more technical uh, team, team members. The second thing is you need to be thinking about, okay, well, what do I need from to build this thing, right? Do I need, what engineers do I need? What, um, what technology architecture are we going to use to build this? And when I say technology architecture, what I mean is, what does the structure look like for building this piece of technology? So before you build anything, right, the first thing you need to do is, is get super, super clear on the design. Now, often as business stakeholders, we just think of design being the, the interface. How do people interact with it? The How does the app look, for example? But actually, there sits underneath that what we call a technical architecture. And this needs to be designed as well. And this will need to be designed based on the needs of your application. So for example, if you had an application that, you know, required the use of um, artificial intelligence or machine learning, for example, you might need a different style of architecture and also therefore skill set in order to build it successfully. Now, SaaS architecture or application architecture is, is a whole, you know, beast of its own, but there are some principles that we generally go by when it comes to, comes to this sort of thing. So specifically, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> specifically if you are building a, a software as a, as a service application, which generally 99% of the time we are doing here, we need to make sure that it is um, flexible and scalable first of all, right? So that means that 
It is flexible in the sense that no matter how many users come onto your platform, right, it is set up in a way that it can handle that volume, that that usership, um, and nothing's going to break in very, very simple terms, right? And we also want to make sure that it's flexible and scalable in the sense that we should be building something that is has the needs of the future in mind, like, okay, we might want it to do this now, but what might we want our app to do in the future? And we need to be cognizant of that. And then also as well, we want to be cost conscious, right? We are ultimately running um, a revenue stream or a business here. And therefore we need to be considering, well, what happens if I get a, a lot of users on this app, I stop paying for all of the things, and then all of a sudden those people drop off, do I still need to pay for all of those things? And when I talk about all of those things, I mean like our hosting fees um, and those sorts of things that go up and down when it comes to comes to apps. Again, all different episodes, but not that I can go into too much today, but some of the costs that are involved. Um, and we need to be cognizant of that. So we need to make sure it scales up and down based on demand. Um, and we also need to make sure that it's, you know, it, it's set up properly from a security perspective as well. Um, and many, you know, there are other things, but those are kind of the basic things and, and principles that we need to consider. So technical architecture becomes important. So you need someone that is going to be able to give you some solid advice on that, that's going to go away and look at the needs of your application and say, okay, this is going to be the right move for you. So once you've got that, that person will be able to say, okay, and and you need to make sure you've got the right person in here <laughs> in this role because it is absolutely critical to it. Um, so this advice, first bit of advisory is super, super important. Um, so we need this person in place who can give you all the advice that you need and make sure you're heading in the direction. And this person, when they define the architecture, will also be able to tell you the resource profile that you need. Now, generally, you'll have some sort of engineer in there. Um, you might have um, a senior engineer who um, can over overlook things. You might have a junior engineer who will simply, you know, get the job done, so to speak, and, and build your application. Um, and then depending, like I said, on the needs of the specific needs of the application, um, you will need to bring in people with different skill sets. Now, sometimes um, you will be able to get people who can do more than one thing. You might be able to get people who are um, both front-end and back-end developers, for example, um, who might be really specialized in a certain technology domain. Like, for example, um, you know, we, we build a lot using uh, AWS. And that tech stack, um, and when I say tech stack, I simply just mean um, all the things that go together, the tech bits <laughs> that make your application and how those work together. Um, and so when, if we, you know, holistically use uh, AWS, for example, um, we might need people, you know, we might just need one person or two people um, who are really, really good in that area. So it's it's all going to be dependent on the needs of your application, essentially. And then you need to work out from there who you need to get it done. Now, it can be a bit tricky, specifically if you're not technically minded and, and things like that. So you need to, like I said, get the right people in place to help you do that. You'll also definitely need um, a UX and UI designer. So this is someone who will take um, 
the requirements of your application, all the visuals, all that good stuff, and turn it into, um, you, you know, wireframes, essentially. So a visual representation of your application. Now, this is, gets super, super helpful for then the development team to pick up and take into development. So that's kind of the start of that process. Now I want to think about Okay, well, what are some of the things that you could do here and some of the ways that you could make this work? Now, the debate or the the chat, essentially, that I was having with someone the other day, and this is quite common, is do I build my own tech team in-house, right? Do I um, recruit these people myself and bring them on? Or what are my other options? So, the conversation that I was having with her essentially was that she is looking to build a, a really, really cool um, SaaS application. You know, it's got different elements of AI in there, different elements of lots of different things. And I was essentially helping her work out what her architecture would look like and all of that good stuff. So we're chatting about team and she, she was saying, oh, I just thought that I had to employ everyone myself. And I said, well, the problem with that is the problem with um, building a tech team to set up this application is, is the way that this works is that there will always be more development up front, right? So what might happen is that you might get a, a bunch of people ready, <laughs> employ them, and then after, you know, however long your development period is, then have to either reduce their hours or let them go. And it all gets a bit complicated, right? You're also, you've got to manage those people, right? So even if you have people like operational support in there and 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 things like that, generally now we're, you know, when we're working in, in the online space, we have OBMs, right? We have online business managers. And Nine times out of 10, that person will never have managed a technical team before or technical people. And as I mentioned at the start of this podcast episode, that's a very different beast. And it can be like herding cats. <laughs> like, I will not lie to you. Like, it's difficult. You need to make sure everyone's moving in the right direction. And unless you've done that before or are very, very clear on the outcomes and what it may or may not go wrong with that, it becomes a big risk. So you would also, if you were going to manage it in-house, um, need that layer of technical delivery management in there. So you might want to get a technical delivery manager who has a lot of experience, specifically around SaaS, to make sure this is moving in the right direction for you. The other option is that you bring on contractors to build um, your application for you, right? The, the thing is with that is it can get very expensive. And again, you're still setting up a team, right? So you will still need people in at that um, operational management level to make sure things are moving in the right direction. The other option that you have is to buy the team, <laughs> right? Buy the skill set of the team. And I'm a big proponent of this, right? Unless you are going out to build specifically a huge you know, big SaaS company, just like specifically if you're going to build, you know, just an additional revenue stream for your business. Um, yes, you want it to be as lucrative as possible, but use the resource that you have available. Um, so what that looks like 
is, and I'm just making a note because there's something else come up that I was like, I have to tell you about, um, is that um, what that means is essentially you can take a team which is already established, a development team, and tap into their services, right? Now, of course, you've got to make sure that you're vetting people effectively, that you have done your due diligence. You want to be checking the past work that they've done, their references, all that stuff. But what generally happens in that respect is that you've already got an established team. Generally, they will have project management and delivery managed support on their side. They are used to working in this way. And you will essentially um, be you will have, it's less of a risk for you in terms of taking on all of these staff and all of these people that you don't really know what to do with and what you're going to do with in the future. Because once this application is built after a few months, you might just want to, there might be a period before you actually develop anything else, right? You might just want to get it in front of people, test it, um, make some money on it, honestly. Um, and you might not want to do as much in terms of the development on it. And so therefore, if you do, if you just, you know, recruit the use of a team, you can scale that up and down and that model becomes a lot easier. And generally they will manage that technical support for you as well on the back end. So I'm a big proponent of, of doing that sort of thing. Um, with that, one thing that we kind of need to talk about is an onshore versus an offshore model. So there actually, uh, there's another layer as well. So when we talk about onshore, nearshore, and offshore models, we're talking about where we get our development teams from and development employees. So whether you are essentially um, building a team yourself or you want to employ someone else, you need to think about where you're going to get them from. So Onshore will be um, generally UK, US, um, and mainland Europe. Um, we then have nearshore. Um, and, and just on, onshore tends to be, yes, highly skilled, um, but also expensive, generally. Nearshore, we have places generally um, Middle East um, or, you know, Hungary and places like that. Bulgaria tend to be um, what we class as nearshore uh, resource. Um, when you take resource from, from nearshore areas, generally the communication is very good. Um, it tends to be a little bit cheaper and it's sort of a midway uh, way of doing things. And then we've also got offshore now, offshore gens tends to be places like uh, India or the Philippines where your resource might be less expensive, but it will take more generally in terms of your ability to manage it and communicate for many different reasons, but also because culturally it tends to be very different. Um, and so there are things to consider there. Now, when I say this, I am a huge proponent of using nearshore and offshore teams, have done for years in um, in corporate life, um, for many customers, all that good stuff, just, and with great success, right? There are some, specifically in India, for example, incredible resource, right? We have people going to phenomenal universities. They are generally much more educated than, well, certainly I am, and I've got a lot of education <laughs> behind me. Um, and skill sets. And honestly, it truly amazes me. But the thing is that you have to then manage that team effectively. And that gets a little bit tricky. 
or can do. Um, so there are those different models that you also need to consider as well um, and what the best resource is for you and whether you, you know, leverage different people from different resource, you know, resource pools, for example, is also another option to do a bit of a mix. So there's those things to think about. And that's generally what you need to think about in terms of operating model and resource for this. What you will also need to think about as well is how do you effectively run a development team? So the way that we run development teams typically is um, using like the Scrum framework or, or Agile methodologies. Now, Agile methodologies essentially means being iterative. It is this the, the sense that we build things incrementally rather than all at once. So what used to happen is what we call uh, waterfall project management. And back in the day, people would decide on all of the requirements for a project and then go ahead and build it. And everyone would come back three months later and be like, shit, doesn't quite <laughs> hit the mark for us. Um, and that would be a problem, right? Now, there are instances where that is useful. Software development is, in my opinion, not a case for that because there are so many things that need to be tracked and tested all the time. So what we do is use this agile methodology using what we call the Scrum framework. Now the Scrum framework is a really, really phenomenal way of managing technology projects. So what this looks like is you have what we call a Scrum team. Now a Scrum team is made up of a uh, product owner. Now, a product owner in this instance would generally be you as the non-technical CEO, right? And this person is someone that will have the ability to say yes or no to decisions. They are the go slash no go person, right? They are not in, in the team every day, but they are the decision maker. You will then have a scrum manager, right? And this person is the person that will run your scrum team. So this is someone that is more on the project management perspective side of things, um, but is also still very technical, right? Um, you would also have that advisory support into your product owner as well. So making sure that someone at strategic level, making sure things technically are going where they need to be. Underneath that, or rather there's no hierarchy rather in a, in a scrum team it is self-forming. Um, which means that everyone was responsible for their own actions and making sure things get done. Um, with that being said, the scrum, the scrum master rather, rather than the scrum manager, that's not the right term, it's scrum master, is um, the person that will make sure that the team is blocked or unblocked and uh, will help everyone get everything done. And um, so, so with that, you will also have your scrum team right? Now, these this team is made up of anyone else who is important to this project. So in this instance, it is going to be developers, engineers, um, UX, UI designers, all that good stuff, anyone else that might come in. And these people might come in for long periods of time or short periods of time, depending on when they're needed. Now, we generally run um, Scrum, the Scrum framework, over like a two-week period, generally. So every two weeks, um, we would have a, a series of meetings. We would have a, a sprint planning meeting, right? So 
we, we work in two week sprints. You have a sprint planning meeting where we say, okay, what do we need to do over the next two weeks to move this forward? Right. We're not thinking super, super long term, although we are keeping that in mind, but saying what needs to happen right now to move this forward. We are then also having a sprint review meeting, which is looking at the last two weeks and saying what went well, what needs to be done differently, what we, what are we going to commit to doing differently? And then we also have a sprint retrospective. And our sprint retrospective is where the development team will, or whoever is appropriate at that time, um, will essentially present what has happened so far to the product owner so that they are constantly in this loop and that there's always this um, this feedback loop going on. Now, we run that, like I said, every two weeks and it's super, super quick for like moving things forward and catching everything as it goes. And the last thing that you will always have as well is on a daily basis, you have a 15 minute scrum call where everyone gets together for a huddle and says, essentially the scrum master will go around and say to each person, how's it going? What is, have you any blockers? What can we help you with? And then we, everything is resolved that day right? As much as possible. So they will help unblock everyone. So you can see how this method will push things forward super, super quickly. It's very quick, very efficient, and um, really, really works incredibly well. So when you're running technical projects, this is essentially the way that you need to go about it. Of course, there are different things, different nuances and things that we can go into, but that's generally how I start thinking and making some decisions when it comes to operating model and ways of working when it comes to developing applications. So if you'd like any support with this, if you need any support in terms of fractional CTO capabilities, for example, where you can leverage you know, our advisory, um, then, then let us know. We have those, those services available to you. Come on over to charlottefuller.com and we can certainly get started there. Um, any other questions, feel free to drop me a note on any of the any of the socials. Um, and other than that, I will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Technically Confident Podcast with me, your host, Charlotte Fuller. If you'd like to get your hands on my incredible and absolutely free 100 resources to empower women in tech guide, which by the way, is packed to the brim with all of the top networks, events, podcasts and books, oh, and influencers you need to follow right now, then all you need to do is go to charlottefuller.com and click the link at the top of the page. Or you can just use the link in the show notes. Super, super simple. I look forward to seeing you next time. All my love and confidence, Charlotte.